0: Hey everybody, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Standard, CEO of the Leaders Institute. My goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. One of the biggest causes of public speaking fear and and nervousness just in general is having too much time in between those things that you're doing. So too much time in between each speech or presentation in this case. And I mentioned last week that if you only drove a car once a year, then every time you got behind the wheel, you're going to be nervous. But if you're a comfortable driver, it's probably because you got behind the wheel Often, you know, every day, or sometimes a few times a day. So it's the same with public speaking. The more often that you present, the more comfortable that you're going to be each time. So last week I began a two-part series on venues where you can practice speaking in front of a group. We started with a few virtual venues that were pretty low risk places where you can kind of practice and 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 if. Something goes wrong or it screws up. Nobody ever really knows for that, for the most part. Anyway, as your confidence grows, though, you can try presenting in the speaking venues that we're going to cover this week. So the more you practice, the less nervous you're going to become when you present each time. By the way, if you're enjoying the episodes, I need a favor from you. Would you mind taking a few seconds and leaving a great review on the podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, those kind of things that really helps us promote the show and keeps the content that we're offering free? And by the way, the episode is sponsored by FearlessPresentations.com. So if you're looking for a faster way to reduce public speaking fear, or become a more persuasive speaker, we've got two-day public speaking classes coming up in Atlanta, Minneapolis, Miami, Washington, D.C., Boston, Salt Lake City, Houston, Tampa, Denver, Phoenix, San Francisco, Charlotte, St. Louis, and Chicago. And for details, just go to our website at FearlessPresentations.com. All right, so let's get on with today's episode. <laughs> So, welcome back. This is part two of how to find great venues to practice your presentations. And last week we talked about all of the virtual venues that you can practice on. But this week we're going to talk about how the in-person event venues are they're pretty plentiful too. There's lots of those as well. So, just as a, a quick review, online public speaking venues, they are a great place to hone your public speaking skills. However, there's really no substitute for actually speaking in front of live audiences and speaking in front of live people, people who give you feedback and that kind of thing. So just like with the online venues, we're going to start with some of the low risk options. And then when you gain comfort and confidence, you practice a little bit more, then it's a good idea to kind of challenge yourself with some of the more difficult venues that are later down in the the list. So keep in mind that every step along the way, you're going to feel a little bit nervous. That's the, that's normal and that's expected. And, and you actually want that. Even the easiest presentation is nerve wracking the very first time that you do it. But after you do the same type of presentation over and over again, it becomes more comfortable. Then when you try something more challenging, that new thing is going to make you nervous again. So after a few successes, though, that gets easier as well. My point is, is that the moment that you stop getting nervous when you speak is when you've kind of stopped challenging yourself. You're you're, you're you've are you kind of settled into a type of presentation that is kind of easy for you and you've kind of you're not growing anymore. So the process the the process is kind of like driving a car when when you first learn to drive parking in an empty parking lot is kind of difficult. And then after you get good at that, though. You probably went into a neighborhood and practiced. And then the first time that an oncoming car passed you in the neighborhood, you probably got that knot in your stomach. It, it, it happened when you made your first left-hand turn. Then again, when you drove on the highway for the first time. Then again, when you drove in a downtown area with lots of one-way streets. Uh, the point is that driving in a, in a parking lot is really, really easy now. So is driving in the neighborhood. These tasks are a piece of cake because you challenged yourself. You continue to challenge yourself with more difficult tasks. And the same thing will happen to you as you practice your public speaking. So with all that being said, here are a few in-person speaking venues that you can choose from. And we're going to start with the ones that are kind of the least taxing, the the ones that are kind of easiest, and then work our way down. So the very first one, easy, easy, easy one, is to join a Toastmasters club um, that will let you practice your public speaking. People often think that I'm kind of somewhat anti-Toastmasters, uh, but it, it, the it's far from the truth. It's the exact opposite, by the way. Um, in, in reality, Toastmasters is a fantastic speaking venue where you can go to practice in front of live human beings. The clubs are very supportive. Most everybody who attends these meetings is either a nervous speaker or a recovering nervous speaker. So, Toastmasters is about as low risk as it gets as a practice venue. With that being said, one of the reasons why people sometimes think I'm negative is because of the way that I encourage people to pick a Toastmasters or a toasting club if they're going to choose one. I recommend that each uh, that you, that you kind of check out a few clubs before you make one of them your home, because each of these Toastmasters groups is going to have its own strengths and its own weaknesses. So I'd suggest that you visit two, three, four, five different chapters before you choose one. Uh, Toastmasters International, by the way, typically helps new groups start a chapter. So the newest chapters, the newest clubs, that are out there are going to be the ones that are kind of going by the book. The the people from Toastmasters International have been there. They've worked with the groups and that kind of thing. Um but just as an FYI, there's not a whole lot of quality control. There's so many different clubs out there that each new member tends to learn everything that they know from the generation of Previous members or the previous generation of members, right? So a long standing club becomes like the old telephone game where you whisper something in a person's ear and then that person tells the next person what he or she heard, and then so on and so on and so on. By the time you get to the 10th or 20th person, and then you ask that person what the original message was, a lot of times it's not even close to the original message. Toastmasters can have that same type of thing occur. One club may be fantastic and helpful while another one can be way off track because somebody in some, one of those generations along the way went against what Toastmasters International sets out in their in their policies and procedures. And since there's not a whole lot of quality control, nobody ever fixed it. And so the next generation learns that screwed up process and the next and, and then harms it even more. And over time that can go way, way off track. So um, they're not all that way, but there are a few. So you want to be very, very careful. So if you're looking for a Toastmasters club to practice with, visit four or five clubs, look at the people who've been attending the longest. If each of those people is presenting the way that you actually want to present, you probably found a really good club and you can, you can stay there and practice. It's going to be fantastic for you. If the longest, di- longest attending members though, sound, strange. If they sound mechanical or syrupy, then just keep looking. Just go to the next one. There's plenty of clubs out there, right? By the way, in, in many meetings, the speaker, it, when you when you actually join a Toastmasters club, the speaker who was on the agenda may not be ready to speak. That happens a lot where somebody is supposed to be the speaker of that week, and then they actually show up for the meeting, but then when they get there, they say, hey, I'm sorry, I, I'm just not ready. I can't present. If you come to every meeting ready to speak, you can jump in and actually go through the process a lot faster by picking up extra speeches along the way where other people kind of let the, the group down. Uh, that's going to speed up your your speaking growth exponentially. All right. the, the second area or the second place where you can practice is uh, by volunteering in associations or service groups or even a church. And that's going to help you get that extra presentation practice as well. No matter what industry that you work in, there is probably a trade association that supports that industry. These associations have, they've got officers, they've got committees, they've got special events that are always going on. Uh, Each of these roles offers many different types of public speaking opportunities where you can get some practice. For instance, if you actually run for an office, you're likely going to give a speech or two before the election. And then after you're elected, You'll likely give reports at meetings and and things like that. And the same type of thing. What happens when you get on a committee? When you go to committee meetings, special events also allow you to practice. It might be something as simple as a career day at your kid's school. That's a special event. Or maybe your office organizes a a give back day. And if you're if you volunteer to help, you could offer to present the donation to the charity in front of the in front of your coworkers and that kind of thing. Service groups like. Rotary Clubs and Kiwanis and JCS are they they offer tons of public speaking opportunities. So just like with the associations, these groups also have elected offices and committees. Uh, So but for each of those roles, you'll likely be nervous the first time that you do it just as an FYI. But then, you know, if you do it week after week after week, the role of speaking becomes more comfortable eventually the role kind of becomes second nature, just like what we talked about with learning to drive. So those first few times that you speak, it's kind of low risk because your fellow members, they relate to you because they will likely have already been through that process themselves. They will probably have been in one of those positions that you're in now and know how nerve wracking it was the first time and realize that it's, that's a, that's a growth process. So by the time that you finish your term, the group's going to look to you as a, a leader. They'll they'll get over the first couple of flubs that you do because you'll get really good at it in a very short period of time. Uh, another good venue for practicing your public speaking is at church. Your church is always looking for people to lead classes or special events. But before I ever considered speaking as a career, by the way, I volunteered to teach a Sunday school lesson at church, just a single lesson. And the regular teacher was going away for a couple of weeks and rather than pulling a teacher from another group, I just volunteered to, to fill in. But I, We needed somebody and I, I had figured I could kind of put together something pretty quickly and it was okay, right? I mean, it wasn't my best speaking ever, but I, I learned way more about the process of public speaking by volunteering to speak in that situation because it was totally different from anything else I'd, I'd ever done. And you can have the same type of experience. You can Get different places that you can practice and get better at speaking in things where you're not comfortable when you get started, but after you do it a few times, eh, you get pretty good at it. Another good venue, by the way, so um, it's along the same lines, but a little bit different is to instead of joining one of these civic or or social groups, you, you could be a guest speaker at social clubs and associations, sometimes even chambers of commerce. Every city in the US has dozens and dozens of different social clubs, like Rotary Clubs, Kiwanis, Lions Clubs, uh, Chambers of Commerce, all that kind of stuff. Each of these clubs will often have a weekly meeting and will ask to have a weekly speaker, (laughs) right? If you do the math, that's hundreds of different speakers that are needed every single week. um, And there's 52 weeks of the year. So your odds are pretty good that you can get get asked to speak at one of these things if you just kind of let people know that you're available. This takes a little bit of legwork, but it's a great way to get some practice. Um, All you really have to do is just Google the word Rotary Club and then your city or state or Kiwanis Club and your city or state or Lions Club and your city or state. Uh, Just insert the service organization that you prefer there. You'll most likely find a website with information about that club's meeting times. Then all you really have to do is just show up at one of the meetings. If they're going to meet every Thursday at noon, just show up one of those Thursdays at noon. Ask who the person within that group is that organizes the speakers for their meetings. They're most likely going to bring you to that person right away if you're there. Just tell the organizer the topic that you speak on and ask to be a guest speaker. Typically, the, the speeches that are given at these um these groups these these weekly meetings are typically 10 to 12 minutes long so they're fairly easy to put together um, your topic needs to be informative to the community though or or to the business world at least and most often as long as you're entertaining they're going to invite you to to speak so after you do this once though look out because the word will spread really really quickly if you're if you're any good at all at speaking in front of a group because you'll likely start to get calls from the other groups almost immediately. Because once they find one, they tend to share the the name of that person, the contact information, because if you did really well at one of the groups, the other groups haven't seen you yet. So a lot of times you'll get those 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 calls right away. Uh, for for chambers of commerce and trade associations, they can be a little bit more difficult to get to speak to, but if you sponsor a meeting, they'll they'll often let you say a few words during the meeting. Uh, Many of our customers are meeting planners. So we sometimes sponsor the monthly meeting planners in a national meeting. That's the trade association, one of the trade associations for meeting planners. And we'll sometimes go and and just sponsor the meeting. Every time that we do that, we get a chance to give a quick five-minute speech to the group about who we are and what we do and how we can help them solve problems. Uh, You can do the same thing. So it does cost a little bit to do that. But it's it's guaranteed. You, you pay the fee. You get the five minutes to, to speak. Um, you can also try to get a spot speaking at the at a trade show or convention. That's that's one of the the, the more coveted ones. So so as we kind of keep going down the list, they're going get, to get harder and harder. So it's a little bit harder to get a speaking gig at a chamber of commerce or at an association that it is a Rotary Club or a, a Qantas Club. Uh, on this, when you get to the, like conventions or trade shows, this is where it's going to start to get more challenging. So this is one of those that you want to save toward the end after you start to really develop your skill a little bit. The trade shows and conventions they often have breakout sessions where they're going to need lots of speakers. The really really big ones, it, a lot of times people don't don't kind of think through the process. But if you're if there's like ten thousand people at a at a at a convention or a a three day meeting and uh, they're going to have breakout rooms or breakout sessions, sometimes two or three of those days that means if they want to keep the number of people in each breakout room to about 50 that's a lot of speakers at any given time and since they will need a lot of speakers a lot of times if you just let them know what you speak on and if it's in line with the core of that association or that conference you know there's a chance that you can you can get a gig speaking at one of these um, so uh, if you if you reach, so basically these convention organizers, there's all, they're always looking for good speakers. So if you reach out to them at, while they're going through the process the process, you kind of make their job easier. So keep in mind though that these organizations begin filling speaking spots well in advance. So they they often want to to use the list of speakers. As a way to get more people to attend the conference, so they may be filling speaking slots for for meetings that won't happen for at least a year, sometimes two years. So you have to kind of plan in advance for this one. Um, not sure if this is a, a good option for you, but uh, I do have a, a kind of funny story about how my my first gig at a um, at a at a big time convention. It was my first year in business, so I didn't realize that at that time anyway, that the guest speakers were picked two years in advance. So I, I was desperate for speaking gigs. I, I knew that if potential customers could just hear me speak, that they would hire me. So I joined a committee at the local chamber of commerce here in Fort Worth that was that was organizing this thing called the Entrepreneur Expo. It was the biggest expo that we did in, in Fort Worth at the time. It was the one that everybody wanted to speak at because there's 20,000, 30,000 people come to this thing. Huge, huge conference. So uh, after working my butt off as a volunteer for about three months, that's when I discovered that the guest speakers were booked two years in advance. And so if, if I wanted to get a speaking slot, I'd have to continue to volunteer probably for another two years. And then it wasn't even guaranteed because... I may have a conflict of interest, you know, because I'm on the committee. I may not be able to kind of throw my hat in the ring and get picked. So I was kind of a little disappointed at the the process. I just didn't understand it. And so as I learned more about it, it became a little bit more clear. So I came up with a with a creative solution to it. What I did was I rented two stalls on the trade show floor, one right next to the other, by the way. So um, typically on the trade show, that's where you get a chance to put your booth and and your business cards and maybe play some videos of of whatever it is that you're doing and or give some samples that kind of thing. Um, since I put them, I put the two booths right next to each other in one stall I set up my regular booth. In the other stall, I just set up chairs in a classroom setting. And then I went to like a, a FedEx, which it was Kinko's back then, but I had boards printed up on the with the different presentations and the titles and, and the times that I was going to be speaking on these topics and as people came by my trade show booth i invited them to come back for the presentations at this specific time so basically i created my own breakout room presentation on the trade show floor and it worked out pretty well uh, by the way it was a little uncomfortable because most of the time there weren't there was the only people that were sitting in the chairs when i would start to speak were people that were resting and, but a lot of times the people that were resting would continue to hear the rest of my presentation if I was only speaking for 10 minutes anyway, 15 minutes anyway. And, um, and as I was speaking, more and more people would start to gather around. And by the time I would finish most of these, all the chairs were filled and there were people kind of gathered around because it, 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 it drew a crowd. It was one of those things where people wanted to stop because they wanted to see what everybody else was, was paying attention to. So I'm not saying that's the best way to kind of get a speaking gig, but it's a creative way, and and it's a, and it's an easy way to kind of do it so that it's kind of low risky. So that takes that really high risk one of putting your name in for the breakout rooms at at a convention and uh, lowering the risk down pretty dramatically, which was what I was looking for in my first year in business. Uh, Just so you know, though, there are plenty of great venues to to practice your your presentations. And if you just follow the tips that I gave you in this episode and and, and in addition to the ones I gave you last episode, it should get a whole lot easier. Um, Just be on the lookout and volunteer when you get a chance. It will allow you to hone your public speaking skills, All great public speakers started off just like you are. Practice is practice no matter where you do it. Uh, So using your new skills with enough repeated frequency turns these new skills into habits. And then those habits become more solid skills in your tool belt. So as your reputation grows, so will the opportunities that, that come your way. So thanks a lot for being a part of Fearless Presentations. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.